Eight bodies in all. Two men, three women, three children. Stripped naked, all clothes and belongings gone. Most had been shot, a few had been stabbed. As the camel train at Caliph's back waited, a rider moved slowly up toward him. Caliph recognized the strong young figure in the saddle, a man named Saba, his most trusted lieutenant. A Russian-made AK-47 lay slung over his shoulder. Bandits for certain, Saba said. No sign of them now. Caliph studied the rough sand at his feet. He noticed the tracks disappearing to the west, headed directly toward the only source of water for a hundred miles, an oasis called Abikusa, the Silken Water. No, my friend, he said. These men are not waiting around to be discovered. They hide their numbers by sticking to the hard ground where no tracks are left, or they walk on the softest sand where the marks soon fade. But here I can see the truth. They are heading toward our home. Abikusa had belonged to Caliph's family for generations. It provided life-giving water and a modicum of wealth. Date palms grew in abundance around its fertile springs, along with grass for the sheep and camels. With the growing number of trucks and other forms of modern transportation, the caravans that paid for its gifts had begun to dwindle, and the role of camel-raising Bedouins like Caliph and his family were fading along with them. But they were not yet gone. For the clan to have any prospects at all, Caliph knew the oasis must be protected. Your sons will defend it, Saba said. The oasis lay twenty miles to the west. Caliph's sons, two nephews, and their families waited there. A half-dozen tents, ten men with rifles. It would not be an easy place to attack. And yet Caliph felt a terrible unease. We must hurry, he said, climbing back onto his camel. Saba nodded. He slid the AK-47 forward to a more aggressive position and nudged his camel forward. Three hours later they approached the oasis. From a distance they could see nothing but small fires. There were no signs of struggle, no ripped tents or stray animals, no bodies lying in the sand. Caliph ordered the camel train to a halt and dismounted. He took Saba and two others, moving forward on foot. The silence around them was so complete they could hear the crackle of wood in the fires and their own feet scuffling in the sand. Somewhere in the distance, a jackal began to yelp. It was a long way off, but the noise carried in the desert. Caliph halted, waiting for the jackal's call to fade. When it died away, a more pleasant sound followed, a small voice singing a traditional Bedouin melody. It came from the main tent and flowed quietly. Caliph began to relax. It was the voice of his youngest son, Jin. Bring the caravan, Caliph said. All is well. As Saba and the others went back to the camels, Caliph walked forward. He reached his tent, threw open the flap, and froze. A bandit dressed in rags stood there, holding a curved blade to his son's throat. Another bandit sat beside him, clutching an old rifle. One move, and I slice his neck, the bandit said. Who are you? I am Masik, the bandit said. What do you want? Caliph asked. Masik shrugged. 
What don't we want? The camels have value, Caliph said, guessing what they were after. I will give them to you. Just spare my family. Your offer is meaningless to me, Masik replied, his face twisting into a snarl of contempt. Because I can take what I want, and because— He gripped the boy tightly. Except for this one. Your family is already dead. Khalif's heart tightened. Inside his tunic was a Webley Fosbury automatic revolver. The self-cocking revolver was a sturdy weapon with deadly accuracy. It wouldn't jam even after months in the desert sand. He tried to think of a way to reach it. Then I'll give you everything, he said, just for him, and you can go free.